Guys, good Wednesday morning. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville Network on a program presented by Ross Mortgage and Scott Morris. Scott Morris, guys, is, is making dreams come true and helping people get into the, the home of their dreams, the vacation home of their dreams, or helping them refinance the home of the dreams. Scott Morris and Ross Mortgage is the guy you should call if you need any financing related topics, issues, or just some money to buy a house or a vacation property. Keith Smith, guys, the star of the show. Carrie Griggs, looking super sharp and dapper today as well. Judah Wickhauer is the director, the man that keeps the audio and visual on track. If you can go to the studio camera and welcome a true cast of characters, friends, and brothers from different mothers. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank welcome. you. That. Thank hello, you. hello. Welcome. Good, Good to morning. see you back. You guys look great. Yeah. yeah. And you and you do too, sir. Thank you kindly. You Thank do you kindly. Too, sir. I'm I'm trying to see what's in the what's in the, the pink bottle there. Uh this right here is to prevent me getting any kind of stuff that my boys have at any Got given it. time. It's <laughs> yeah. airborne and water. I try to yeah. drink one of these every day. Yeah. When my uh when our two boys were a little unruly, I can't drink it at breakfast, so it comes with me to work. There you go. Um and that was today. Yeah. Unruly boys this morning. Um I think both these gentlemen can relate, Scott and Carrie with unruly you children. Would, would, yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they bring everything home. They're like, "Hey, just yeah, dude." We were having this conversation with my brother-in-law, with my brother and my sister-in-law. I don't know if you guys experience this. They get completely healthy over the weekend because they're with mom and dad. Yeah. Then they go anywhere on Monday where it's like school or sports. By Tuesday, they got something. Wednesday, it's worse. And then we got to get them healthy. Thursday, Friday, they get better on the weekend, and then they're back having something on Monday and Tuesday again. It's like every single week. And then you get yeah. it in the middle somewhere. Somehow. And, and that's recover, why I'm drinking Airborne. They recover a lot quicker than we do, too. They're they like, do! Hey. Yeah. And it's like a week passes, and then you finally start to catch it, and you're like, oh, my God, I feel awful. Yeah! And then they're just full of life, and they want to play. And I'm like, ha, ah, you can't deny so, that so picture. So, gentlemen, um, <laughs> it doesn't get better when you become a grandparent, by the way. It's literally the same thing. Same uh, process. Yona, Vicious cycle. Yona is actually makes me drink Airborne every morning. Airborne's I, I have an Airborne every morning. Yeah. Um, at least that's what she's telling me is in it. I don't know. Could be Keep something. me sedated. Could be something. Keep me sedated. That's probably more of the thing. But she's heading out, actually, after the show today. I'm taking her up to the IAD to fly out to Seattle to help uh, Yvonne with the grandbaby, but uh, maybe she'll come back with a little something. So, Kerry, you know, let's let's dive in. Introduce yourself. It's been a while since you've been on, yeah. on hey. so refresh everybody's memory who the heck you are. Hey, guys. Kerry Griggs here with Keller Williams. Uh, I've been an agent for over five years. Uh, you know, I like doing this business. I get to meet people, great people. I get to do what I love, go into houses, see different ideas and designs, and I just try to get out there and grind for me and my family represent my brand well said i love it scott morse is in the house scott um i think we uh i think the community is is starting to count on you for this content you're creating on this program and creating a sense of consistency and sensibility and and offering some clarity with everything that's going on why don't we start with the scott morse sizzle reel here judah wickhauer where would you like to begin my friend um so last week we came on and uh talked about uh, the adp numbers that came out uh and how they were showing uh some softening in the jobs market and how adp might not be that reliable well as soon as we got that, we saw the markets loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, I actually quoted a, a, a VA purchase at five and a quarter on Thursday. Wow. Um, wow. No discount points. Nice. That same rate, 6% today. So we've seen um, uh, over like a 
as far as a swing goes, uh, a full interest rate and a half where we went from like six and some change down to five and a quarter back up to six percent uh, in the span of five days. So when I, I also talked that day about how volatile things were going to be and that this is an example of that. Um, and I also used the phrase that if the Fed wants to do what the Fed wants to do, the message they're going to deliver is the beatings will continue until inflation uh, improves, and that's what they're going to come out and say today. We're going to see we're seeing the fifth straight day of uh, the equities markets not not having a good time, uh, and uh, we're going to see these ups and downs. Uh, a lot of people think that this jobs market, the jobs report that came out on Friday that uh, that smashed the ADP, the is a flash in the pan that we're going to start seeing a softening. Um, and hopefully that's the case. Um, but typically we don't see that softening in the jobs market until the rates increases have paused and we're just not there yet. Nicely done. That's the first one, Judah Wickhauer. Keith Smith. Yeah, so I usually try to kick in a little bit when, you, when you're on the show with us. Um, How's your application? I will use the term mollywopped. I wrote it down. Before we get I, to the I, end I, of the program. I'm going to use that twice today. <laughs> I guarantee I you twice down. today. Mollywopped. I've heard duly whopped, but I've okay. never heard of mollywopped. Yeah. A, a great example was. Uh, you must have found it was, at this point. Was Georgia in that, uh, that, that championship that, football game? You mean that football game that they tried to play? Yeah, yeah. That one? Oh, nice. Yeah. Georgia Mollywop TCU. Yes. That's what he's saying, right? Yes. I was going to ask for you to use it in a sentence, but that clarified everything. That's perfect right there. Kerry Griggs, a sports fan, a rugby fan. How's your business doing? Business is going good. We had a little bit of slowdown. Uh, the best way I can describe it is, you know, when you're driving down the highway and you are late for an appointment, but you see a police officer in the distance, so you hit the brakes real hard to get to the speed that you need to do, and then you start cruising at the right speed, the speed limit, which you're supposed to be going. That's kind of what it felt like in the past couple months. Uh, with the holidays around, uh, the market softening up and interest rates going up, you did see a slowdown in purchases a little bit. But since the new year has started, I feel like I've been on more listing appointments. Buyers are starting to come back into the market. And when you partner yourself with a good lender like Scott, uh, you know, you have alternatives that you can do and try to buy your rate down or you got programs that you can utilize. Tell them about the 2-1 buy-down. The two one buy down is uh, an opportunity to use the seller's credit towards your closing cost to buy down the prepaid interest of the loan for the first two years. So if the today's rate was six and a half, uh, then your first year would be four and a half, your second year would be five and a half, and you'd be six and a half in perpetuity with the concept that you would hopefully be able to refinance the loan uh, before you had to stay at six and a half. But if, if you did, this isn't an adjustable rate that you have to worry about further increases. You know what your fixed payment's going to be in a worst-case scenario for the life of the loan. That's fantastic right there. That was your best explanation of the 2-1 buy-down. How about Carrie's question and to Scott's answer for the second reel? Keith Smith, that was good. So add a little bit to that because if I use this 2-1 buy-down refinance in, say, a year, what, what do I get to so do? So if you were to refinance while you're still in the the payments of the prepaid interest, you're, once that loan is satisfied, 
made whole in the refinance, the current servicer owes you the difference of that prepaid interest. So you could get a check back that would actually help pay for the closing costs involved in the refinance after the fact, but at the same time, you'd be getting money back from the refi. That's good there. Second sizzle ends right there with Keith's question into Scott's answer. You're on point today. Carrie's got something he wants to jump in on here. I have a, I have a question for you, Scott. Like, what do you think would be, and again, it's a case-by-case scenario, but what do you think would be more beneficial for buyers, a 2-1 buy-down or to use that seller credit in order to buy the points to use that for the fixed rate if you don't know where the market is going to be or interest rates are going to be in the next two to three years? It would depend on your comfort level. The problem would be... Uh, in putting all the money towards the discount points and then refinancing anyways, you would never see the benefit. So let's say you received uh, $10,000 on a $300,000 purchase uh, in closing cost. Uh, let's say you got, it was FHA, you received a full 6%, so you got twenty grand. You used 10 to pay for your closing costs and you used an additional 10 uh, to buy down the rate uh, but not in using the two one. Well, let's say that you refinanced that loan two years in. You left seven and a half years, roughly. Probably, I'm not. I'm, that's I don't have an actual payment calculator in front of me. But you're probably talking about uh, eight years or so or to recoup that full ten thousand dollars. So you literally left left years of that money on the table that you didn't get, take advantage. And you of. don't get to if you refinance it. You don't get. Yeah, to you it. just you, you. It's lost money. It's you. You never saw. You never truly saw the benefit outside of the uh, initial payments before you refi. I love the shows when I just sit here and listen. Yeah. And make notes. So I made two notes. Note number one is Kerry for guest host. So you yeah, I know. It's good. <laughs> you, I know. Just, you just signed yourself up for nice. when I may or may not be traveling okay. to sit in this seat. So nice. I think Kerry enjoys doing the show. I do. I love doing this show. It, it's an opportunity. Like you said, I get to sit around with my brothers and kind of just talk business, talk shop. Talk shop and a bunch of, bunch, a bunch of people. The, the, uh, the other one was is I need to get into asking Scott, how's business? How's your applications? And I think pre-production meeting, you mentioned you wrote a couple of deals last week. So is tempo picking up for you? Sorry about that. It's okay. Not a problem. He's doing business. I think business. he's closing hey, a deal. He's while doing business. Right. Well, 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 mortgage is on fire, man. Uh, are, are things picking up? Yes. Tempo, um, contracts. So, yes. Yeah, uh, Applications, leads, well, leads, applications, uh, applications to pre-approval contract um, uh, are all increasing. Yes. So those who watch the show know I've been following, I typically do week over week, what's coming on, what's going off, and just to kind of cut it down to to a number that's um, a little shocking, and not necessarily shocking, but we've been predicting this for a while. Last week, um, we had 67 homes go pending, same set of seven days going backwards a month ago. Today, we're at 88. That's a 24% increase. So just 24% in a month, more homes week over week went into pending. Actives are flat. Yeah. We're at 63 last month, 64 this week. So I take keep a track on that. So, Kerry, what, you know, I know you're saying it took a bit of a, let's call it a break, Christmas break. We're kind of back into a little bit. Talk about your business. Talk about the conversations you're having at the at the at the dining room or the kitchen table about should I list now should I buy now yeah so last time uh, you know I was on the show 
we were talking about you know buyers versus sellers, and so I've I've put a little more concentration on working with sellers, and I've had more listing appointments in January than I usually do, and I I feel like sellers are starting to realize that they they have the ability to come to the market, get a reasonable price for their listings, and have somewhere to go. Inventory is not moving as fast as it once did a year ago, two years ago. So you're seeing the days on market go a little bit longer for the houses that are on the market. I still think we have an inventory problem, and it's going to take some time before that gets corrected. And I, I don't know how to correct it other than uh, well, just partner just, with builders. You just you just a- a- answered the question I was about ready to ask yeah. you. You know, we're staying, and I'm looking week over week. We are as flat as flat can be yeah. as far as inventory goes. But our, we're upticking on our pendings, and we'll talk about that in the middle. So let's try to answer the question. What, what, how can we get this inventory up? Mm. Encourage builders. Uh, you know, you can partner with the builders that are out here doing it. Uh, start looking for the distressed properties that are just sitting out here. Uh, you know, agents, I'm finding a lot of the newer agents are going after some FISBOs and some houses that have expired and having reasonable conversations with the sellers. You know, it's not the same market where you're getting, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 above list price anymore. So sellers are starting to come down. Uh, the expireds are coming back to the market. And I think that, you know, having the ability to talk to a seller reasonably and show them where their pain points were with the pricing and that you can get the house sold um, and then just more builders. We, I, I feel like the bank should be encouraging uh, Class A contractors to get back here in the market. Uh, I'm partnering with a builder in the Scottsville area. He's going to be putting some new homes on the market <laughs> and then trying to partner with a builder in the Ruckersville, Green County, and Louisa area. So I think we need to encourage the community to produce more builders. There's a lot of contractors out there that would love to go off on their own and do their own building. On a positive note on that, I'll throw it to you, Keith. Um, S. Lisa Herndon, the car mm-hmm. president, uh, she was recently quoted um, in Legacy Media that there was a 61% increase in the Charlottesville area for new construction building permits. Um, the largest increase is in duplex building and multifamily homes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a positive. We have potentially some new construction coming. When that comes and the impact it has in the market, time will tell, Keith. Yeah, so those... Those new hitting the market were in the pipeline for a very long period of time up until now. So it's it's not something that just miraculously happened in the last 30, 60, 90 days. These are projects that have been in the pipeline. Fulvana County, for instance, has Colonial Circle. They're going to be probably the middle of this year start bringing in almost a couple of hundred unit new construction units. But they were in the pipeline for six years. Green County's got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline you know, this is the approval pipeline before it hits the hits the market. You're going to see probably this time of year, those num- mid-year, those numbers reversing, right? They're, going, they're eating through all that inventory, and then there's going to be, uh, I think, a slowdown on new construction. But at the moment, it's a bright spot. But do you think that the duplex and the multifamily is going to bring more buyers back to the market or more investors back into the market? I I think it's going to be more potentially investors. I don't think the duplex and the multifamily is going to necessarily help our inventory crunch um, with people looking to get into homes, forever homes. Um, But any housing added to this market is is positive. 
because it could potentially create a little bit more affordability for the community. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you the new duplex is going to uh, create an entry point for first-time buyers, although the price you know, changed from where that duplex was five years ago to where it is now is certainly different. Um, at the same time, with, with the lack of inventory, it, it creates an opportunity um, that I think a lot of uh, investors uh, are happy or more likely to purchase say, a distressed duplex to try to turn that into a, a profitable endeavor versus something that's new coming to market. I think that's going to be geared more towards uh, the first-time buyer or the person downsizing. Uh, I'm going to look at numbers here for a second, but I'm going to let Gary pick, pick a jurisdiction that you want to take a look at attached products right now. Um, I, I actually am curious about Louisa, Louisa Fluvanna area. Is that your, that's your neck of the woods, right? Yeah, so well, I, 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 can, I, can I can tell you without even going into Paragon. Yep, I knew you were going to have an answer <laughs> that, on that one. That Fulvana County has no attached products. They will once Colonial yep. Circle comes on. So we can take a quick look at, at Louisa real quick. Um, there's four attached products. These are duplexes or or um, available for sale. And the, I'm, I didn't even factor into the new construction. These are just duplexes that are yeah. that are for sale. It happens to be all new construction. So there's four of them. Uh, they're all in Spring Creek. These are these are duplexes. I thought you were going to say Albemarle County because that usually has the highest, yeah. highest count on. But so that you know, the four that's for sale, active in Louisa County, which are in Spring Creek, the median sales price is 483. Yeah, List I mean, price, excuse me. That is not entry level. No. no, it's not entry level. But I am curious now that you said it because a lot of my business is in Albemarle County. I like the Louisa area because that's where I'm, you know, I live in that Zion's Crossroads area, which it's growing rapidly, actually. And I really like the commercial spaces. So you should be there. keeping a track on the Friday shows. I'm bringing in some elected officials from Louisa, Fulvana, all nice, the jurisdictions. Nice. And we're specifically going to talk about housing and how can we, how can we, how from a political perspective change that. So um, Albemarle County attached. So these are duplexes and townhomes. Right. Um, there's 35 on the mark on on the market. Um, I have to get in here. Those include new construction and existing. Most of them are new construction. Is about four or five uh, non-new construction. Four four fifty nine is medium. So wow, that's lowest. The lowest price on new construction is three ninety four. Man, so that's out there. That's not entry level. That's not entry level. And it's probably not level. an investor either because the math is going to be really yeah, hard. You just hard to the work cap on. rate. Let me ask you this, guys. What is the uh, what is entry level now? Mm -hmm. What is first time home buyer price point and the car footprint? I I would say around the two fifty three hundred thousand. And I would say that number has a three in front of it. I yeah. think it has a three on okay. front. Low threes. I, where you, where Buckingham. are $200,000? Buckingham's oh, the only spot. Don't get me wrong. There's none out there. But, <laughs> okay. you know, that's where most of your first-time home buyers or entry-level buyers are considering being a first-time I think the buyer. number used to be 285. Mm. Um, and now? I think it's 315. 315? Yeah. I mean, so, you can get... And that's can, still a super challenging price point. I'm seeing... I'm seeing yeah. We talked about the bills at Southern Ridge before the show. I'm seeing those condos trading at 225, 230. Yeah. Um, that's in the Mountain View School District, um, a little past Wegmans, down Fifth Street and Extended. Maybe that's an entry. A lot of folks aren't crazy about the uh, condo product. Yeah. Um, Most, maybe that's what you have to do if you want to buy a house and you hold it, see if you can get some equity, get some roommates, sell it, and then you can climb the ladder. 
So in your experience, Kerry, and, and ch chime in, Scott. Good morning, Neil Williamson. Your, morning, Neil. Your, uh, thank you for agreeing to come on Friday. The, your typical buyer right now that you're looking at right now, do they want condos? Do they really, hey, I want a single-family detached home, but I can't afford it? Or yep. what, what's that conversation look like? The conversation usually starts out when I ask my clients what's, what's your wants and what's your needs. They always want the single family with a little bit of yard. but Fence. Yep. Place with the dog and the kids. And the kids. Have a White little bit of yard. Fence. Yep. Uh, but, you know, realistically, it really all just depends on their budget. I hardly ever have those people that want the condos. Don't get me wrong. I have those clients yeah, as sure. well. Uh, but the majority of families, they want to have, or in my experience, uh, they want to have a little bit of a yard somewhere that they can let their dog out, kids play. And you just ain't, are not getting that. Around or in here. my case, kick, kick the husband out and yeah. go in the backyard. And <laughs> go in the backyard go. and mow the yard. <laughs> but Keith and Scott, to Carrie's point, I mean, I wanted the same. I got bought my first place, I think it was 25, and it was at the Villas. And I wanted the same. I had a dog, seen a couple ladies at the time. Uh, I wanted the backyard to do some grilling. All I could afford was the condo. Yeah. And then I got the condo, brought some roommates in, still own it. I had my next door neighbor sold it after five years. Did the climb? What's wrong with the condo? The so condo that, equation. So, so that there is nothing wrong with the condo equation. That's where we all three of us here have to have a conversation with the buyer. You know, it's 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 get in the game, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what Jerry did. He built his equity up over time. And those who watch the show know I also chair the the Piedmont Community Land Trust. And to put a number to it, to hit 80% AMI right now, area medium income on it, you can't buy anything over 215. Really? Then you, you're over the 80% wow. AMI. So, and if you're at 100%, to Scott's point, that's probably got a very strong three, you know, a three with a couple of strong digits after it yep. on that on that end of it. Then you got to find it. So you said you're listing some, I'm going to change this around a little bit. You're having some listing conversations. Talk about them, how those conversations going. Are, the, are people uh, ready to start putting homes back on the market? Are we going to up that inventory number? Yeah, I think we're getting back into what would be considered a normal market. You know, you got the spring season coming upon us. You know, everybody kind of waits, in my experience. Everybody waits during the holidays, and then they are ready. You know, they do the spring cleaning, or they're getting ramped up for the spring market. I think we're going to see uh, an increase in the listings come into the market. I don't think that it's going to... Um, be the inventory that we necessarily need to satisfy all the buyers. I think we have about two months worth of inventory right now, but I think that we're going to see more of the seasonal behavior from the buyers and sellers coming to the market. I think we're already seeing it. Um, the other question that I would kind of have would be, um, you know, what helps you guys, what creates more existing inventory? Um, everybody talks about selling and how we talk, you know, getting in front of people, marketing is what helps. Who's helping you market? Who's helping you really get out there and, uh, you know, increase a video presence or, uh, you know, go back after your previous clients. Like there's so many basic things or, uh, with a, even with a basic, with a new twist that, that I don't think all agents are doing a great job of executing on. And I think that doing a better job personally provides a better product for your client as well. Well, you need to do that. I agree with that. Without that, you know, that's, what is the, you know, back in the day when you actually went back to movies, right? They would start, right? Nothing happens. What if you don't advertise? What happens? Nothing, no. right? Or are we talking about silent film or like? 
<laughs> we're talking about those tassels on the shoes again over there. Yeah. <laughs> we we kid because we care, Keith. We love yeah. Keith Smith. On no, this I'm just a little slow this morning. I don't have a, I don't have a good enough comeback. <laughs> to come back with. That's all. I'm only on my first coffee. Give me a little bit, and I'll, I'll do a comeback on that end of it. I'm trying to be well-behaved here, sir. You always are, Keith. Meredith uh, Young, welcome to the program. So the bottom line is, to, 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 to continue from your conversation, you've got to start with the marketing. People, don't be a secret agent, right? Yep, don't be a secret Pe- agent. People need to know that you're in this business. People need to know you're a trusted advisor so you can get that invite to the table, yeah. to the kitchen table. Then you start educating and, you know, and helping folks through the, pro- through the, through the process. But um, I posted, just to throw this out to everybody to talk about, I posted something yesterday from National Association of, of Realtors putting out their normal 2022 home sellers experience and all that stuff. I'll read it. Sellers typically live in their home for 10 years before selling. This is an increase of eight years compared over last year. So folks, people, so this is people staying in their homes longer you know, back in the day, it was like five years, mm-hmm. you know, back in, what, the 1800s with the tassels <laughs> and all that stuff uh, on that end of it. So so that's not helping inventory because people are staying in their homes. I, so, de- go. I definitely think that the last two years have uh, either motivated or discouraged sellers from actually selling the home. If they seen that they had a lot of equity into it, I think they were more opt to sell. But if they didn't think that they had a place to go because the market was crazy, I definitely think that that hindered us just a little bit with putting inventory on the market. I'll let you two guys chime on this. 41% of the buyers last year moved to a larger home. They're traded up to a larger home. So this whole thing about getting smaller. I mean, isn't that the American way? Yeah. Well, if you listen to certain media thing, everybody thinks homes are getting smaller. The data is not proving. Yeah. Not proving. Has that been your experience? Yeah. Honestly, uh, I think back in the 70s, your average square foot at home was what? 2,300 square feet. No. 1970s, right? Yeah, 1970s, <laughs> not 1870s. Uh, but I think the average home was like 20 or even probably even smaller than that, like 2,100 square feet. Yeah. And now, you know, that is like your first level of living. People are looking to upgrade from that. Um, you know, if you have a family of four, they're looking at more like 3,000 square feet before they get into a home. I'm going to set up a question for Kerry, but I'm going to start with you. We're still looking under with your prediction of being under 5% by the end of this year. You don't know, I, and I'll caveat this. After you made that, I think it was two weeks ago. I think I've heard from, I want to do this conservatively, maybe 12 agents after listening to you on this show, watching this program, say that they got really excited when you made that comment. All right, well, let's think about it. Literally, literally. Tw- just, just think about it from this Start perspective. Start thinking about this because I'm going to throw a question at Ooh. you. Last week... Last Wednesday, the market loved the fact that there was potential slowing in inflation and uh, an increase, a softening in the jobs market enough to where I was legitimately quoting 740 credit, 700K purchase, VA at 5.25%, no discount points. Okay? So if how, how much – we don't need a ton of room uh, – a runway – to get into the fours if that's the case. However, as soon as like reality hit and said, hey, that's not where we are, Molly whopped. 
Back in the second three. one. Yeah. Back in <laughs> two, baby, two. You should turn that into the third sizzle reel. Let's replace the other third one Back with this one sixes. right there because it got molly whopped in there. Molly whopped. Uh, whopped. Anything else you want to add to that, that Scott Morris? We can keep the I sizzle going. I won't tell you where that I originally picked that uh, little no, piece of my lexicon. No, we have to do that all fair. Right yeah, now. yeah. What do you think about that, Carrie? Um, I would like to see him go back in the fives. Uh, realistically, I don't know if it will. I want it to uh, as an agent, and I want my buyers to be able to have that satisfaction. But is that a good thing? Is, is sub five a good thing? Well, and, and add this for you. What's that going to do to the market if we get sub five rates? That's my Are question. Are we going to go chaos again? We're going to go chaos again because what it's going to do is it's going to allow the buyers to have more buying power. They're going to get more house. For but their... we're still in a buyer's market. It's, yeah. Uh, we're not in a seller's market. Yeah. Assuming well, a seller's yeah. market. It's no, all the way around. My, yep. my, AD, my dyslexia kicked in. It's a seller's market. <laughs> I, I think it'll market. go gangbuster again if it gets back to that point because I think that's what the new norm has been for the last three years and so you know either one or two things are going to end up happening this year i feel like in my opinion either the rates are going to come down and we're going to have a really successful 2023 or the rates are going to go up and then we're going to have a different set of buyers in this buyer's pool you know the ones that have you know experienced the five or sub fives are going to be like well we're going to wait until we get into you know a better position to buy down the rate or you're going to get these new buyers that didn't have the opportunity to capitalize in these last two years they're going to come back into the market at around that six or five and a half they're going to come back into the market and that's going to be their new normal and then they're going to be looking for the homes so scott your typical first-time home buyer what's, what's their do- dollar price that they're at at this point about 350 something like that. i would that? say 350 is is that number is the number right now it's uh it's and it's challenging you know rates are higher than they were three years ago when uh we kind of started tiptoeing into this uh uh this price point for the first time buyer um which makes that payment more challenging which makes qualifying you you got an entire group of people who went who had to live through last year that didn't get under contract and now they're looking at uh less house for more money and it, it, it's an emotional ride, uh, but it, if if it fits their needs and if it, it you know supports their family dynamic and puts them in the best position, you know that's what we have to try to help them with. So, um, as that those who watch the show know, I do the six things all the time, every show, right? Location, price, features, condition, timing, and who's on the other side. On the other side matters. Active, detached, Albemarle County, zero to three hundred and. $50,000, there's 14 homes available for sale, Oof. detached. Are they all condos? No, no, these are detached. Oh, I These are detached. Um, and if you look through it very quickly, the first 10, they need the 302. What is it, 203? 203. 203. 203. Or, uh, I was about to or ask. a conventional home style. They, um, they need a little, a little, a little help. A little yeah. help. I was about to ask, how many of those will qualify for your typical financing? Hey, I've got I got a contractor who keeps uh, around twenty renovations going at any moment. Has crews that uh, operate from Northern Virginia to Richmond and uh, does fantastic work. Um, a HUD consultant uh, that travels from probably the Norfolk area into this region, and one that comes from Northern Virginia down to here. Um, and and all three of those human beings communicate at a super high level. Um, so there's a lot of people who tell you that, hey, we have this, this product. I can tell you that, hey, I actually do this, and we do it very well. 
You know what surprises me as I earn my stripes in this industry? How many agents I talk to that has never successful, successfully executed a 203K loan? Uh, it's not a very common loan unless you're in the like industry and that's kind of your business model. Uh, but, you know, it's well, just not I was originally talked about. I was originally told don't do it. They're relationship killers. And they can be. Yeah. Um, if Explain the, that. So – once you get through my process, so the, the borrower is going to go out. They're going to make uh, an offer of $250,000 on this $250,000 property, um, and they're going to close it. So the seller is going to – it's just like any normal transaction to the listing side. Um, and then post-closing, um, you know, we're going to need an additional two weeks, assuming that we have a contractor and a bid and a HUD consultant all in place at the beginning uh, to get everything together. Uh, but once it leaves my hands and then goes to uh, the investor who's going to carry out the, the draw process, if you don't have the right people in place, yeah. you're going to have people who feel like they are, they're not getting paid on time, the work's not getting done as quickly as it should be, uh, the borrower's going to blame the contractor, the contractor's yeah. going to blame the borrower or the HUD the, the consultant, blame, the blame game uh, then the realtor's going to be getting all this feedback from both <laughs> sides, and it's gonna, and he's he or she is going to feel like it's their fault, and then they're going to come back to me, but it's already moved to the investor at that so point reason- and I can and I go hey I don't know there's nothing I can do and it, it's ugly for everybody but if you have the right people in place even though these things if any all three of us have construction experience and understand that even in the best of circumstances things don't always go perfectly but if you have the right people to execute that you'll be able to get through the process without it hurting feelings. So, so here's my thing. Is that what we used to call that when you worked for construction? Is that what that was? <laughs> I mean, I've here's got, the thing. Here's the I've thing. got, I've it was got destru- destruction experience <laughs> the work for in the construction The coffee's starting to kick in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. the coffee's well kicking in. So, so thank you for doing that. The short version of that, the ones that are successful have the right relationships in the beginning. Exactly. And that's why Scott's so important and your skills are so important. I've got a little experience in it myself is to have the right people and being able to convey that to the client. And as, you're, as you've noted, most agents don't have this background that we have yep. and, and, uh, or the licenses that other licenses that we have on that end of it and maybe are not able to communicate that to the buyer. Scott's got all the, the, the team members, and that's yeah. an important thing. It is. My first, very first deal was an FHA 203K loan, and I didn't know any <laughs> When was better. that? When was that? It was uh, 2017, and I didn't Welcome know any Welcome to the better. business, baby. I looked at the person that was helping me. He was a teammate, Seth uh, Batten, and then Cynthia Hash really helped me through that. And I, was, I looked at him. I was like, man, are all real estate transactions this difficult? He said no. And I was like, oh, man, thank God, because I don't know if I could have went through it. It took me six months to close my first deal, and then and like Scott said, or Keith, uh, they are relationship killers because the contractor was mad at the homeowner. The homeowner was mad at the contractor, and it just turned into a nightmare where uh, I was almost subpoenaed for a court. And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" On your this, first deal. On my first deal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Fantastic, man! I was like, "Oh." Yeah. And so you know, uh, it was a very good learning experience. I thought it was. wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. No, I'll tag Seth. What do you want to tell Seth here? I said you just got some props from Kerry Griggs uh, live on air. What else you want to tell? Thanks for all the help. Uh, him and Cynthia really kind of helped pave the way for what I have going on now, and I'm very grateful for what I had in the beginning. Uh, because, you know, I'm a very much get stuff done kind of person, and they were like my anchor when I first started out. So thank you to the guys. Um, so, you know, had I known that 
it would have been that difficult. I'm still grateful that I went through that process and I learned a ton of experience through that. Uh, but everything else came a little bit easier after that one. But I think, uh, you know, bringing some of that loan products, those loan products, and if you look around the Admiral area, you see that there's a lot of properties that could benefit from uh, you, that. You, all you got to do is look through the half, first half of the 14. and Yeah, you're the, there, right you're, there. You're, you're already there. It, I, all it takes is a couple of buzz through the photos to go ahead and, to go ahead and, and, and figure, figure that out. A lot of agents watching. Let's, let's highlight some people. Meredith Young hey, of Keller Williams is, has this. She says, HGTV has played a big part in changing the expectations and what we have to have in a home. And I see it all the time in my conversations with buyers and sellers. HGTV is influencing things at clips we don't truly understand. Can I just encourage you to tell your buyers to pause the video and see if they can look for a half-inch gap in the baseboard or whatever they're talking about. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's... They go through it quickly, and it's not the two-month time frame that they're giving you or whatever time frame that they are. You know, They have the ability to cut and edit as much as they want. So my guy was Bob Veeler in this old house. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. That kind of puts a little age. Oh, I hate it. I hate it when they be like, well, you know, you should be able to get it done so by this price. My favorite is house hunters. It's like uh, oh. here's a young couple. One of them uh, makes, like, scarves made of feathers, and the other one is, like, a harpist, and their budget is $910,000, yeah. They, they're shopping guy. somewhere in Hawaii. I'm yeah. like, what the hell is this? Yeah. How does this make sense? You know what it's, I'm saying? It's unrealistic. Uh, it's TV. Yeah, it's TV. Yeah. And it's not real talk with Keith Smith, I can tell you that. It's not real much. talk. <laughs> and, but, you know, that's when you have to have those real conversations with your buyers and sellers. You know, if, uh, I get the question all the time when I go on listing appointments, what are the things that I need to do? And I'm like, okay, well, what's your budget and how much do you want to sell it for? Should I repaint the entire house? Well, you know, let's talk about that. If you repaint the entire house, you may paint it the color that somebody don't like. Right. Uh, maybe take a, take a little bit less and walk away with ha without having to do all the yeah, repairs. But, but painting, just to get my suggestion, you know, painting gets this new house smell mm -hmm. in it. It could be neutral colors. Just paint it modern gray. Yeah, go. I it, mean, don't get me wrong. Agreeable gray, baby. Yeah, it that's works what we use. In moving the product. Or old man tan. <laughs> <laughs> it works with moving the products, but I, for me, paint is like maintenance. I almost know? bought a truck, Dan. Well, I mean, you've said on the show before, painting the house is not an upgrade. No, it's not an upgrade. Yeah, Changing no. your cabinets out are not an upgrade. Yeah. New, new countertops is not an upgrade. These putting are things, solar on is an upgrade, right? Putting you solar don't have on solar is an upgrade. Putting, so upgrade to converting. putting solar on is an upgrade? I would say it so. Is? It oh, yeah. eliminates your electric bill. Sure it is, yeah. But it doesn't... All right, so I'm... There's a sponsor of the Careful. 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 Have a sip of your coffee. If it eliminates your electric bill, that's, that's we're doing, your The angry Glemmerin was doing so good. No, no. I appreciate his authenticity. <laughs> he's who he is, and he's yeah. unabashed about it, and that's why I like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But if every house has it, I don't think it's an upgrade. New cabinets, new countertops, fresh paint. That's not an upgrade. Yeah, an upgrade would be switching from... Uh, Carpet to luxury. Manual to a yeah. bidet? All right, I like that. <laughs> How about this from Grayson? Okay, Fellas, no is a new fence gonna... in the backyard an upgrade? Or installing a fence in the backyard an upgrade? I think that it's going to draw more buyers to yeah. it because that's one of the requirements. You said he just they... said that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's going to draw more buyers to your listing. 
do I think it's an upgrade? I don't think you'll ever get your money back out of it for yeah. what you're going to spend on it. What's the number one upgrade that, that your highest – I was actually reading it this morning from the National Association of Home Builders. It's been true forever. What is the highest return on investment that you can get on, on, a, on an improvement to a house? Ooh, you know, I always tell people there are three things that really sell your house. Curve of field, kitchens, and bathrooms. That's go. in my opinion. Uh, so if I was going to concentrate all any of my efforts, I would say curb appeal. I mean, that's so it's a garage door, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. It's got about 110% return on your dollar. Front door is the next one, which, which is right along lines of your, of your curb and, appeal. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's like a, a door song. Uh, the, most, the best way to do it is to paint it black. Paint it black. Hmm. There you go. Um, comments coming in. Uh, I'll have to double check. I'm pretty sure that was. Uh, I, facts. 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 I think your best bank. For we got a facts at door songs. Okay. Yeah. Like you're going to spend a little less money on doing the mulch, cutting the grass, doing some repainting on some things. So a Our buyer, way. it's just statistically proven, makes her decision within five to seven seconds. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Same five way. to seven seconds. Yeah. All five senses kick in. If you can't get past those those five senses and. Five to seven seconds, it's very difficult. Do you think that you only get one impression? I, I sometimes think that you get two impressions, right? You get the curve appeal impression, what they think about when they walk up and when they open the front door. I think you get – you may even get three. You guys are the pros here. I just learned from you guys. You got the first impression is digital curb appeal. What's the house look like online? Mm-hmm. The second impression is actually what the house looks like in He's person. Right. And then the third impression is walking in and what can you envision as possibility. I was getting a cup of coffee at Jaybird this morning before I came in uh, at our office and the barista literally asked me that question for how come I look at these pictures online when I go look at a house it's freaking different yeah hey my favorite my favorite thing is looking at a house and or looking at like uh, the the picture and I'm like that grass doesn't look like right that. yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all great this guy is photoshop. super blue well that's <laughs> you're photoshop. not supposed to do that that's an ethics violation yeah. you can't photoshop pictures you you are not allowed to photoshop pictures but you could you could digitally edit the photos yeah you could change like light colors and all that stuff but you can't photoshop it take dirt and well, turn it I, into I, grass I'm yeah. gonna put this out there and this is me saying this not you. <laughs> a lot of the photos yeah, that I know, hey, you okay, know. okay, okay, our photos. You're not shot. supposed to do. This hey, is literally what we do I'm here. I'm a grass snob, and I know that <laughs> it doesn't look like that. Maybe they called. Maybe this is a new partner for your show. Maybe it was Virginia Green they called, Keith. I was going to talk about a different grass, but I won't do that. <laughs> you know, still a snob. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Scott. Me too. Uh, Travis is walking in Dan, watching in Danville, Virginia. He says, first time home buying is tough." If I hadn't landed a sweet deal buying my grandma's house to renovate, I for sure would have ended up in a loft in downtown here in Dan Vegas or an apartment to start. A decent home now is minimum 300000 in Danville. Yeah. Yeah. I New mean, guys in the market just can't do well, it or have a very Danville hard time. Is, uh, Danville's so, hot. Well, it's blowing up with uh, data centers. That's what's. And the ca- casino. Oh, there's Ooh. a casino? Down? Yeah, there's yeah. a casino. Caesars, nice. yeah. You should follow him. He does some great stuff, Travis. And Actually, you know what? I'm uh, the client. I'm texting uh, the the listing agent on right this morning. Uh, just opened uh, the casino. He works for the state and uh, like helps open these casinos. Uh, there are three right now in the state. Uh, there's one there. There's and then there's. So you work for the mafia? Three more approved. <laughs> yeah, the government. Yes. Yes. I knew I'd get a kick out of that one for that. So look, to, to brush off some home sellers and their experience, typical home seller, 
Anybody want to take a gander what the age was for the tip last year, the typical age for a seller? No clue. It, it would be my birthday, 60. Really? The, the Downsizing? Typical, the typical home seller is 60 years old. That's, uh, last year, they were 56. What's the number one reason for folks to put their houses on the market? Downsizing. According to North. Make money? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's be realistic. <laughs> Desire to move closer to friends or family, 21%. Retirement is 11%. No, I was just uh, telling my director. A rather disturbing thing, uh, 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 neighborhood has become less desirable, 11%. So those are the top three uh, percentages. But it's not for interest rates. It's not forever. It's for to be closer to family and friends and retirement. I was just telling my director of operations, a sweet little niche to be in would be for those looking to retire and go to those 55 and 65 plus communities, you know, if you can market to those sellers that maybe have yeah, that, that we, sold and you, empty nested. You want to go down to 55 and over because I've got a lot of experience in that. That is a slippery slope. Really? But, yeah. why, is, why is that? Well. Educate me a little bit. Yeah, well, there was, there's a project that I may have lost $17 million uh, on. That's fair. That was yeah. a 55 and over project. That was not, that's not the story of it. Um, the, the, the downside to that, the reason they're becoming less popular, they were very popular in the early 2000s. They're hard to resell. Yeah. Right? Uh, I could see that. So it's a deeded restriction. You can't have anybody living in the home that's under the age of 19. Gotcha. Right? No, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I, meant, I meant more for like the ones that are looking to either move in with family, not the 55 and older community, just somebody trying to move from... So it's from a federal regulated, you know, it's a, it's a federally regulated yeah. space. Right to fifty-five and over. Age targeted is not, and that's probably what right. you're more speaking of. That the subdivision or the project is more suited towards people my age uh, and up uh, on that end of it. But it's very interesting. You should say that I, I didn't bring that number with me because I didn't write it down. But multi-generational fam homes are increasing, not okay. dramatically, but a little bit year over year. Yeah, it just kind of sparked a trigger in me when you said move closer to family and friends i see a lot of that the older couples and clients that i have that's their number one thing why why are you selling well i need to be closer to family um a lot coming in fellas a lot coming in um carrie griggs is getting some props here from randall mays and vinnie oh, vinnie tuyol vinnie, vinnie what's up bro what's up buddy vinnie. vinnie oh you guys both know yep. vinnie's watching he he's he's watching the show giving you props courtney thompson Nice. Um, giving Scott props, and, and Courtney Some wants to know, is now a good a time, time to buy? Scott. Yes, now is a good time to buy um, because the sooner you can buy and start building equity, uh, the better position you're going to be in in the long run. Uh, and right now, we still have everybody talks about, I'd like to wait until interest rate c come down. And if that's the case, you're going to be competing with so many more people who mm -hmm. are waiting for that same thing. Now is a fantastic time to buy. Everybody that, that Yona's screaming garage door and front door, Keith, and then she says in all caps, Yes, Keith, yes, <laughs> Yona. I love you, Yona. Smith. He can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have some projects to do. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> he fixed the door to the studio, Yona. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Nice. Yona said, There's a light out in the bathroom. I said, I, You know, so. 
<laughs> I have to fix it because I'm the male? Is that is that the reason I need oh, to fix it? You know, I, I joke about this all the time. I, I tell my wife I'm going to do it. You don't have to remind me every three months. Oh, mine's six, <laughs> mine, mine's six months. I that's, promise. That's like asking uh, Wells Fargo to close your loan. Oh, 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 singer right shots there. Bang. Oh, hey. Shots fire from oh. Scotty Moe. I love it. I love it. I we love gotta it. Do, we got to do a little bit. Liza's of... escaping again here. The dog is escaping in the studio here. Do we have a Liza camera? I mean, I, I don't mind. She's here. You yeah. know I love your dog. But I'm just letting you know she's escaping. Um, let's see. Comments coming in Fast and Furious. I'm trying to keep up with all of them right here. Do you want to take Liza? Liza's the dog, guys, for those that don't know. The I Love Sivo mascot. She's in studio. Um, wow. You may have picked up some business here. Um, I went to school with Scott. Courtney says, I will be reaching out to you very soon. Awesome, Woo-hoo. bro. I appreciate it. Courtney Thompson, putting that in the feed. Courtney, Scott is uh, a guy you can count on to uh, process that loan to buy a house if you're looking, if you're shopping right now. Um, all right, so this is coming from Kelsey, specifically for Scott. You guys say the rates are going to come down. Persuade me or convince me why I shouldn't wait till when I get more buying power to purchase a house. Why should I do it now? When you guys say any time is a good time to buy. Well, how much money do you have and how much do you not care about it um, would be my number one question. How much money are you paying each month to a landlord, rent, etc.? cetera? Um, rates come down, put more buyers on the table, increase the, the, the value or the perceived value of the homes that you're trying to buy. You're competing with more people, which means you're going to be in a multiple offer situation. So where if you're trying to buy a $350,000 house now that's then listed at three sixty-five dollars in, in the future, that warranted that cost because we have multiple comps that are associated with that number to, to do that. And then you have to go $10,000 over list to get your offer accepted. Um, and you're waiving, uh, home inspections and everything that should protect you as a first time buyer. You're giving that up just to get into the property. If you think that is a better scenario for you, just like we were in 12, the last 12 to 18 months, well, from 12 months ago, and, and beyond through like June of 2020, from June 2020 to September 2022, uh, that's pretty much where we were. If you think that that is a better situation for you, then wait. Um, if you think that you can get in now at a higher rate with the option to refinance later to save the money and or use some of the strategies like a 2-1 buy down um, or, you know, depend what your situation is. You need to decide, but that's the why. Carrie, let me ask this question real quick. Why, if you don't mind asking the question, why do you think you will have greater buyer buying power if rates go down? I think that's the question. And if we can answer that question, then we can help guide through that. The the short version of what Scott said, if interest and and I believe dropping interest rates is not good for buyers right now. Because what's going to happen? More competition. More competition. Prices are going to continue to go up on that end of it. So you're just you're just on a hamster wheel that is just going to keep on going. But I would really love to know why, because my I have buyers asking me the same question, and I usually respond back. So explain to me why you think it is. So I'll let you jump in, Kerry. And that's if you can even win the deal. I mean, us as agents and the buyers that have worked with us for a while, you know, when we were putting in offers, it was on average, you know, putting in three offers before any one of them got accepted. And, I mean, that's on the low end. Unless you really gave it your all, 
and we're willing to waive those home inspection contingencies or an as-is home inspection or put an escalation clause in. I mean, that was the most difficult part is having to tell your buyers, hey, I'm sorry, you got outbid again. Again. Um, I do think that lower rates are going to help the inventory situation, but it's going to get it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, so explain that. So if interest rates, that's, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. So if interest rates drop down a little bit, Keith and Yona, okay, let me rephrase this. Yona wants to move, right? So, you know, when interest rates dropping a little bit is, you know, I can see that where that balance might happen. If I have to sell and go ahead and buy where there may be more buying power because I have a ton of equity, interest rates are coming down, I can put a little bit much cash in there. I happen to be at the typical home buyer age of 60 at this particular point or seller, excuse me, on that end of it. Uh, but I'm just really curious on the rationale of why lower interest rates will help your buying power? Buying power or the inventory? Buying power is, I'm, I'm back to the question on the buying power. Inventory, I think, you know, certain folks will, will come back in. I think you're going to start seeing some of the rent, because rents are starting to stabilize, right? You're going to rents see, are stabilized. And they may start going the other way here. Potentially. You know, uh, but at least stabilized. They're not appreciating at, at such a high rate. Not at the COVID clip, for sure. Not at the COVID clip. So you might see a lot of people say, ah, let me put my rent, let me put my investment property. That might help it a little bit. But the conversation we're going to have on Friday with Neil Williamson is the real thing that needs to happen to increase inventory. And that is the regulatory requirements to allow new developments to, to get done. And I've get off my soapbox. And like I'm excited about Friday's show, actually. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. I'm really looking forward to that because I want to know some of the regulations and what's we, coming we, down the somebody pipeline. Somebody may or may not be in a costume. Oh, you're going to wear a costume. Nice. Uh, the uh, superhero fighting for housing affordability? And I actually may or may not... Oh, Yona's watching. Look, Yona is watching. I may or may not have Amazon some stuff. <laughs> He's spending sure. some money over here. I, I usually try to get fun little stuff. But you prop. got a real tall credit card. Oh, am I supposed to use that? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, stuff coming in fast and furious over here. Um, let's go to Courtney. Uh, back to Courtney. Court, and, and before I get to Courtney, we'll highlight Bobby Green watching the program. Hey, Bobby. In the construction business, I believe. He is. Um, He's a good Bobby Green. Um, Courtney says this, and I think you may have a loan. You could be close to closing over here, Scott. Um, does the recession or a pending recession going to impact housing in any capacity, and should we wait if a recession is on the near horizon? I think it will affect manufacturing jobs in places like uh, Detroit through the Midwest. Um, I don't think – I think I've said it, and I'll say it again – the area that we live in, while certainly not recession-proof, um, is recession-resistant, recession yeah. um, meaning that when you look at what was uh, largely affected through 2008-2009, uh, um, from the D.C. metro area, Charlottesville, um, anywhere that is largely supported by universities, government funding, government contract positions, uh, those, those markets were not affected the way that the Sun Belt and uh, middle, some places in middle America were. Um, and to the, to the point there's still, you know, uh, Detroit selling houses for a dollar, and that's still a thing. Um, and it's because on top of the socioeconomic problems that they've had, you know, trending for the last three decades, that was very detrimental um, to huge swaths of their economy. 
What do you think, Kara? Jump All in right, here. Well, I'm, I'm always an optimistic person, right? The glass is always half full, and I got people that always pour into that glass as well. So I'm a very optimistic person and a happy-go-lucky person. Uh, you know, I'm always from the mindset uh, there's three things that people will always need, food, water, and housing. So, uh-huh. you know, I just happen to be on the housing side of things, and it just depends on if you are partnering with the like-minded people you know, are you going to be a renter? Which, don't get me wrong, there's a great market for that. If you are going to be, uh, you know, flexible with your living situation, if you're not secure in your job and you may need to move, or depending on what your job is, or are you going to be a homeowner and try to put some of that money in back into your pocket and, like you said, climb that ladder where you are eventually building that equity into your own own pocket. I like it. I like it. carries on point today. Um, Keith Smith. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just. You know, I've, I've, I've won this national award, and one of the quotes that I have is, helping folks with the three essentials for a trip around the sun is my why. And actually, in the beginning of the show, I wrote down in all this mess of paper, because, you know, I'm old school, I write stuff down. I was going to ask you, what is your why? What is, what is your why? Why do you get up every morning and help people? What is uh, your why? I, I can't steal mine. I can't steal mine. I get this question all the time, and mine is legitimately to change my family tree, right? So every rich family, and I don't want to say rich because it sounds like just money, but I think there are, yeah. So I think there are four pillars of wealth, health, wealth, love, and happiness. And so if you have just... Uh, three of those things and are lacking the one it really doesn't make sense so I am looking to build wealth for my family and to change my family tree there's always that one millionaire that sets the um, sets the family in the right trajectory and don't, don't get me wrong I'm very humble about where I come from um, you know my parents did a great job with trying to give me everything they could but I want to take it to where my kids have the ability to explore ventures if they want to if they want to invest in rental properties they have the means to do so without having to you know work two jobs to go to college just to get the experience that they need so uh and we're in a day and age now that i think that is fantastic because you don't have to pay for education like you used to youtube well channel youtube channels i mean you know the internet school yeah we are in there's so much. I've learned more from TikTok than I probably did in high school mm. just because they talk about financial literacy. They talk about trust, real estate, Airbnbs, opening up an LLC. No one ever taught us how to open a business, and we just figured this out on our own as grown men, and we went through it the hard way. If uh, Well, I'll only speak for myself, but I went the hard road, but it has better views. Uh, I, Dude, I, that was fantastic. I can speak to oh, Every, pretty much everybody at this table uh, with, has all came up the hard way. Yep. And uh, what is your why, Scott? I never think I've ever asked you that question. I think this is a great intro question for a BNI group. Um, uh, what is your why? Um, my why is the people. It's just to go do the work. One, I don't prosper with too much free time, and I really like talking to human beings. Um, so the more that I can pour myself into helping others, the better that I ultimately feel as a, a person overall. Love it. 422 shows, I think, today is. I'd have asked you that question. What is your why? I mean, I, the boys said it better than I could. I just like being around people, and I like helping people, and I love this community. Been here 23 years. The community's been great to us, and just a matter of giving back. I mean, that was the whole concept of starting this network as we saw a gap in, in the market with news. said, why don't we help fill that gap? I don't get to hang out with cool people like you, and I learn from you guys all the time. I mean, it's, it's easy. I mean, questions are 
the show's on fire right now. Okay, so Paul Limbacher. Limbacher, I mm. hope I'm getting your last name right. Hey, Paul. Uh, you know Paul? Yep. Okay. He says, is now a good time to buy an investment property? He's interested. Who yeah. wants to touch, touch on that one? Ironically enough, that's David's brother that owns Skuma. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, oh, Paul. Oh, get out of town. Um, I didn't know that. <coughs> like I said, I'm always an optimistic person. Um, yeah, I would say it's a good time to buy an investment property because, again, people need three things to live. Rents, you can have a rental unit and you'd probably be doing someone a favor. I'd say be wise about it. Like, uh, you know, you want, when we talk about uh, the new duplexes that are being built, you going in to purchase one of those to uh, be be renting it at, at, at your mortgage payment might not be a good fit. But if you can go in and find something that's a little distressed that you can get in um, and, and apply that, uh, that, that burr method to where you're buying, rehabbing, renting, and, uh, and then reselling, um, I think that's the all so the is, is, is this person a friend of yours? Yeah, he's a friend. I'm going to email you uh, an ROI rental spreadsheet I created Fantastic. that you can send to this gentleman. Um, you have to have a pretty strong cash position right now to go ahead and get into investment properties. Um, you what know, you're saying because uh, down payment requirements. Down payment requirements. You know, you 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 know, you've got to do the ROI, return on investment. If I'm my mortgage is X number of dollars, but my rent is Y, and and you want to be at least cash well, positive. For some of you, if it's going to be your first, let's say you're let's say you're in a position to where you want to move up. Um, you already own a home and you're ready to take your next step. You can actually take your your next step into your primary, so where you're gonna you know you're gonna make a minimum um, uh, three and a half to five percent down payment moving into the not zero down if you're a veteran, uh, moving into the new property and then take your existing property and convert that into your first investment. Um, so that's an opportunity to to get into the to become a landlord without having to put 20% down and, and still taking on a property at a minimum down pay payment. So you're suggesting taking cash out of your house? Is that what nope. you're talking about? I'm saying I own a, I own a house that's worth, uh, that's, that's 2,500 square feet. And I'm going to buy, uh, and I, my family's outgrown it, and we need a house that's a little bit, that's oh, got an additional you're swapping primary. So we're going to yeah. go purchase uh, this four-bedroom uh, to get out of our three-bedroom, two-bath. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to take and convert our, our current property into yeah. our investment property. So that's why you need a trusted advisor. That's good stuff right that's there. That's why this phone I hold in my hand will never be able to do this. Right. You have to sit down around a table or, or a conversation to walk, to walk through it. The, the, the reality of it is you either, if you can't do that, you need at least 20%, right? right. Down payment on it. And if we start looking at these three, $400,000 homes, all I'm saying is do the math, make sure you don't have yourself, you know, upside down on your cash flow on the end of it and you more than likely have to bring more cash to the table than than you could have to yeah. like when interest rates were two or three percent that's where the buying power question comes in so i have a question Hope and i want to kick this around to these experienced business-minded people scott you had just mentioned about taking let's get lies on the table what's that let's get the dog let's in the table. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you had talked about a family outgrowing it for you know, I bought a very modest home when I was, you know, 12 years ago in a great location, Zion's Crossroads, and, I, and since we have outgrown our home. But we talk about these newer duplexes coming up, and I just want to get uh, some advice on a strategy that what you would do. If I went from a 2,100-square-foot home 
and then I bought a duplex with 3,000 square foot on each side of it, could I use that as my primary residence? And instead of putting 20% down, I can use an FHA loan with 3.5% down and then rent out the other side. I, I like how the man's thinking over here. So conceivably, the question would become in doing that from an underwriting perspective, is that really a move up for you moving, leaving your single family detached to move into one side of a duplex? Well, if it puts me closer to my job, work, I'm not saying the argument can't be made, but I'm saying for everyone, it may not be that may not be a solid argument. So you're saying it doesn't pass uh, underwriting vet, vetting from underwriting. Correct. That's what you're saying. I'm saying that that could be an issue. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just saying that's where we, that probably gets a little gray. Okay. Well, so, you know, I always like to know my options, right? And as thinking from an investor mindset, you know, I'm always trying to find that opportunity. So uh, three and a half decades of doing this, one thing I've learned, one size does not fit all, right? right. So every transaction, every spy, every sell is very different unto itself. I've, I've never really seen two transactions identically the same. Some are close, but yeah. none of them exactly the same. And again, the back to the point of needing trusted advisors, and if you go on Real Talk with Keith Smith and you pull the partner tab down, you know, those trusted advisors are there, but you bring in a Scott, you bring in a Kerry uh, into, um, into the kitchen table or dining room table or the virtual table in yeah. today's world on that end of it to help you navigate what's specific to you. Now, however, for the first-time buyer who could go in and buy the duplex as, uh, as a multifamily, they could qualify off the future rental income of the, of the, uh, the non-occupied side. Uh, they'd be 3.5% down on theirs. Uh, that would be a great, great opportunity for someone who could get in and, and execute that. Um, and throw in one of the twists, let's say your current primary um, is FHA. You couldn't go FHA into the second property. Uh, it's not that you cannot have two FHA loans, but there's, uh, there's parameters around it. Uh, you certainly couldn't buy 10 miles down the road. You would need to be making a job change and moving, say, 100 miles away um, or some very legitimate reason um, that you had to retain the existing uh, inside the same demographic um, so you would, the next purchase would need to be most likely 5% down conventional unless you were moving much further away. Yeah, so I refinanced when the market was a little bit good. I got a low interest rate around the fives, um, and I went from FHA to conventional. I was just trying to use that. Or I would even do an FHA, uh, a conventional loan on my next uh, duplex. And, I mean, there are some really nice ones. I just I have a client of mine looking to build a duplex because he wants to be close to his family. And I just looked at a really, really nice one off of Fifth Street. Um, and it was really, Where really Whereabouts nice. on Fifth Street? Uh, so right there before you uh, – Is that Sherwood Manor you're referencing? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I know that uh, if neighborhood you, well. Take a left, uh, or if you take a right, you can get into Redfields, and then if you take a left, it's where those new developments are. Um, but, you know, it was a really, really nice home. It was much bigger than what I currently live in, and that's just one side of the duplex. So, I, you know, it's just a shot in the dark trying to see what the options are, not just for me, but I know there's my and friends it, are the same way. And I was just kind of talking to anybody <laughs> listening for, like, the nuances of, like, it, 
there is not necessarily uh, there's lots of options um, but there's also lots of pitfalls so it's about knowing uh, having a full scope of what your individual situation looks like in trying to create a plan joseph collins giving uh scotty mo some props on the feed right now um i i generally think courtney thompson is really ready to buy a home here <laughs> I, I, he's literally letting you know right here um questions coming in fast and furious as we speak jamie turner says this the uh, mayor of Gordonsville, <laughs> buy, remodel, rent, refinance, repeat. The burr business. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Buy, remodel, rent, refinance, repeat. Oh, yeah. So um, I was holding in my little hands, buyers have more options in 2023, but sellers are still mostly in control by the good Dr. Lisa Sturvent. And everything we've, who's the uh, Bright's chief economist, Bright's MLS, everything we've been talking about is in essence in this article that, you know, it's, it's, it, now's the good time to buy. I'm going to put numbers to it. I, while you guys were chatting, I just did some quick math here. So car footprint, last 30 days, we had an absorption of 9.3 units sold a day. So every day, 9.3 units went on the market. Based on the amount that's currently active right now in the 30 days, there's only 17 days left of inventory. So if nothing else comes back on, in theory, you would be going through all the inventory in little over a half a month. Now, you know, things come on, come off, yeah. and all this kind of great stuff. But, you know, the economists in the world look at absorption rates, and that's how that formula is done. So in essence... We've got about a half a month, a little over, it's called three-quarters month of inventory on the market, uh, which is anemically low, anemically low. What do you think, Scott? I mean, I think that uh, goes back to being professionals, you know, executing a good marketing strategy, getting in front of people who need to make these decisions, uh, whether it be through death, divorce, moving up, moving out, what they need to do to put these homes on the market. Who, who's getting in front of them to, to, to one? Uh, if you're not doing it, they're probably getting a mailer from somebody in Northern Virginia who's going to step in as a stranger and try to sell a house in your market. Um, I'm getting a ton of those. You know. Are you starting to see the Northern Virginia agents increase, decrease in our marketplace? You know what? Uh, I'm getting a lot of mailers from Richmond folks. Yeah, yeah. I, w I would say a little bit. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, you're starting to see a big – everybody's reaching out a little bit further. And, and I sent Jerry an article. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. You know, the, the IT business or industry out west is getting, getting decimated. Decimated. But, but the articles, they're all coming eastward. And we've been talking about that. There, there was folks around Washington, D.C., but it bleeds down into our area and up, up north. So they're losing jobs there. They're coming here. We've got clients coming in from all over the area and agents in the marketplace um how do you think your end of your 23 is going to look what are you, what are you projecting same um, as 2022 little you know what i i have lofty goals for this year but i've also me and you had talked about this on our walk over here um during the big rush of last year i kind of took a step back and i revamped my system so uh i think i got a, a winning strategy that's going to help me implement the the goals that i have so i'm hoping that my 2023 is going to be better than my 2022 uh i had some lofty goals last year too and i just fell a little bit short of those but i mean not not too far from the goal um but i think this year i'm i'm super excited about the market um 
I think that now people has a little more time to think uh, and ed- get educated on it. I talk to my clients all the time about, you know, the buy down, putting the money towards the points. I think it's still a good market. I, uh, I've said this on the show more than once. I'm more excited now about the real estate business than I've been in the last two years. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's because of who sits at this table. You need to know your job. You need to know how to navigate the minefields. The, 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 and this may sound a bit, maybe not exactly what folks might want to hear. Frankly, getting the home on the contract is the easy part. Yeah. The hard part is getting from that to closing. And what I've found, and when the market starts getting the way it is right now, what I've found over the years, things start getting a little wonky. Yeah. Right? Deals are getting, you know, you really need to bring your skills to the table to navigate that. And I didn't bring the dominoes here, but it seems like every project or every deal I'm part of, every home I'm trying to help either buy or sell are multiple level dominoes. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Yep, well said. Um, it's it's definitely, like you said, you have to bring your skills to the table. It's no longer just being a customer service. Hey, here's your house. The contract part is easy or you know, relatively easy. It's how are you going to hold the deal together when you hit those rough spots? You know, Financing may not be perfect. Well, what's some of the things you I, – I went through a transaction not too long ago. We had to do some things that were – outside the box and you know get creative with it but we were able to hold it together and we got the transaction closed but you're going to have to sharpen your skills if you haven't taken the last eight to 12 months to sharpen your skills and all you've been worried about is the selling part of it you're going to be in trouble so so if you're out shopping for a real estate agent you know the first thing you should be really looking for what's the close rate yeah what is their rate from from putting it on the how contract? How can a potential how can a homeowner that's thinking about listing their home figure that out? Yeah, so I mean, you can just is that go, data out there? Uh, yeah, it's kind of out there. You got to dig it up, dig it up a little bit, you know. But you can just ask the agent that you're interviewing. Yeah. What's your close rate? You get a straightforward answer on that. Um, you'll get it from hey. us. Yeah, you get, get it from, it from everybody us. at the table, right? And uh, we'll provide the data for it. But yeah, what's your close rate? You know, because like we're, Scott, God bless him, is helping us with a transaction right now that's a multiple domino deals. The, the detached garage, because they took our advice and my advice and got a, a physical survey, is on the other property. Nice. I got a whole garage that's on somebody else's Ooh, property. Oh, and you know, you just when you we're have working through skilled, it. skilled individuals like we're yourself work, that through have it. been on the development side, you can work through it. Okay, it's not. It's not. Pleasant, and it can be quite painful. We, we know who to bring to the table to fix yeah, it. Yeah, uh, because you've been through it. Um, yeah, I honestly, having the professionals out here, I tell people all the time that I don't just research for my clients because I look up most people, but I also look up the other agent on the other side for two reasons. One, I want to see if I'm going to have to do any hand-holding or if, you know, if they're a new agent, I don't want to take advantage. I want to teach and educate yeah, because... When you are kind to those others, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it always is a win-win, but when you're kind to others, you're training good agents on the other end. You said it better than I. That's Dude, why Carrie's I the man. That's the reason I think that it. sixth one, who's on the other side, matters. Yeah, for that it, exact it really reason. does. I am shocked by the daily about the number of people who are in my side of the business who send out pre-approval letters to people who can't actually close on properties with the letter that they are sending out. How does that happen? It, 
How is that allowed? So I think that? that's called no uh, bad salesmanship. Idea. Yeah. Um, Isn't I, that kind of what got us into trouble way back when? This doesn't even get us in trouble. This, I'll tell you, this gets the client in trouble. Is that bait and switch? They're earnest money. Ooh. This gets uh, Ooh. Ooh. the uh, – because these are uh, – these are – assuming that they meet the qualifications in the letter, which they know they already don't. So then I've got an agent who goes, hey, something seems weird about this. They send it to me. It's like, all right, well, man, sir, they, you know, you have a $400,000 pre-approval, um, but you don't have $30,000. So we're, how are, you know, were you, pan- were you planning on getting credit for your closing costs? Um, you know, what, you know, how did you, how did you think that this was going to work? So, so we're at 11.33, but I do want to ask this question of you, um, because I had just recently was asked me of the question, tell me about the pre, pre-approval process that you go through. What's required? How does this, how does this, because when I get a pre-approval letter from you, it's a, it's a lot more than just a letter with a signature on it. Yes. So tell me what goes in, the, in, in a few words, what goes in the back end of that. So, you know, any one of the me's of the world that get in front of the you's of the world um, are always the best at what they do. They're always the best at what they do. And let's say that they actually do close all their loans on time. If that's the best thing about what you do, how else does that benefit your partners? But to the question... I want all the documents, pay stubs, bank statements, W-2s, tax returns if they're self-employed. I want to see the 401K, the IRA, um, if we're going to be depreciating assets out of that. We want all the answers up front, which we can typically collect in a matter of hours depending on how organized the borrower is. And if not, and they can get us in touch with the professionals that hold some of these documents, we're going to reach out to them. We're going to go through. We're going to do the work. We're going to run – whether through LP, uh, DU, Gus, we're going we're gonna to get the automated underwriting approval, and we're going to back that with the actual findings, read all the lines, make sure that there's nothing that we're missing so that when we send you a letter, your client is going to close. Thank you. That's what I needed you to do because not to shade anybody in your industry, sometimes it's just a Social Security number, and here's a letter. Yeah. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, what do so, you make a year? Oh, okay, yep. So this is not this. Let's is, throw it on the wall and see if it sticks, baby. Yeah. But this is much. Is, is that bait and switch? It's incompetent, okay. gross, negligent, maybe, but it's not bait and switch. Okay. okay. Yeah, that bait and switch is a difficult thing to prove. Oh, yeah. But the point I'm, I'm trying to drive. What at, are they going to switch them to if they don't actually qualify? I mean, maybe a lower price point. So at best. So back helping the buyer. We're buying Jerry's home. Right, and we're helping the buyer do that, and I've got really a vetted pre-approval letter, and I'm and uh, Kerry's helping Jerry sell. When I hand this letter from Scott, he knows, hey man, this just isn't a social security so, number. So my corporate, uh, to Ross in general, they, we have something that's called a guaranteed pre-approval, where we send out a letter to the listing agent that says. If for any reason related to what we're doing, this does not close, we'll pay you a thousand dollars. And I always get these the, in these these meetings. How come you guys don't do these? Because all of my letters are guaranteed pre-approvals. If I send it out, the bar unless I do going something stupid like go buy a brand new Mercedes. Unless or yes, like, unless yes, don't buy new furniture yes, for your brand new. Not that I'm honey, not that I'm going to do that. You know, when I'm you're t- away, hey, I had for a, a week, I had a borrower who lost four grand uh, in in gift funds because they sold a car on Auto Trader and. Uh, uh, was given a uh, sent wired money for eight thousand for three thousand dollars more than what they needed, uh, and then they turned around and 
and and took money out and turned this this fake money into real money, uh, and it turns out it was fraud. So it all got backed out of the deal, and you know. Uh, my, I'm going to help the agent and the borrower. We kicked in like three grand to make that work for everybody. So here's the and there was no my, negligence of mine. We just wanted to, you know, we weren't going to leave this lady homeless. So the bottom line is, I tell we tell buyers all the time: once you sign this contract, don't do anything <laughs> without talking to Scott or myself or yeah. or Yona or whatever. Don't don't open a credit card. Don't yeah. don't just don't do anything. Until it closes. Yeah, in this case, I found out after the fact. And if I found out at the time, I'd have been like, they sent you 3000 extra dollars? Call the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems like common sense, right? People, uh, that, that's, people just, you know, when you're, they're, you know, and if we're, when they're already in a tough position. True, it's probably not it's, yeah. reality. Common sense is two very big words. <laughs> that, it's not so common anymore. It's not so common. Um, so how about simple. we do this, gentlemen? Um, let's get Carrie Griggs in the mix on uh, some, some closing thoughts here. Um, well, I, like I said earlier, I'm super excited about the market. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for both the buyers and the sellers. I think if you've been in the market or been following the market, I think this year is going to be a good year for you to buy. If you're selling, I think there's still opportunity. You still have a little bit more control than you probably know. Um, I think there are ways that we can make it a win-win for everyone. Uh, get your trusted advisors and stick with them and listen to the advice. Uh, you know, I think that having the right team makes a world of difference, and I can't stress that one enough. Do your due diligence on your partners, right, your realtors, your lenders. Like Keith said earlier, look at their close rates. I mean, are they blowing smoke or are they really truly have your best interest at heart? I probably win more clients for telling them that this home's not the right home for you. It That's doesn't exactly. check all your boxes, and, you know, there's some deficiencies here. And I think that one gets me more business than anything else is just being an outright good person. There you go. Scott? I mean, my thing is if if you're out there and you're an agent and – you're not working with somebody who's helping you focus on your marketing because if you're out there looking for, you know, if somebody, if a coach got in touch with you or you found a coaching program that, and they're trying to teach you to sell something, how do they find you? They found you through marketing. Um, and if you're, you're competing against uh, agents who are discounting uh, their value to, to win a listing, if you're not communicating to that seller that I might be 1% higher, but at the same time, I could gross you 3% more, where, where is your value? Where's your value? What are you doing for your people? What are you doing to grow your business? And when it comes back to what Carrie said, who's your team around you that's going to help you make success happen in 2023? Well said, Scott. So on, on the discount end of it, um, when you hit a certain age, you have to go to a lot of doctor's appointments. So actually this morning at 8 o'clock, I was at a doctor's appointment for something of a certain age you have on a routinely every five years done. And he was talking about real estate, yada, 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 yada. Hey, I'm trying to sell my house. So can you discount your rate for me? I went, sure. You're going to discount the rate of the procedure for me? He goes, oh, no, I can't do that. So okay. I <laughs> just wanted to point that out to you. Got it. Not a problem. So it's okay for me to discount my professional services, but not yours. But How do you handle that answer? That was a great uh, answer. Uh, yeah. He said, uh, when can you come look at the house? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> do you, do you want to go to a discount doctor or do you want to go to the best doctor? Exactly. There you go. There, there you go. go. Gentlemen, you guys crushed it today. Thanks. Rockstar. 
Awesome. Thanks for well, coming on. Well, you, yeah. you've just been signed up as a guest host. <laughs> I'd love to be on I'd the show anytime you'd have me. Yeah. Keith Smith, guys. Scott Morris, Kerry Griggs. The show is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. The show is presented by Scott Morris and Ross Mortgage on a Wednesday. Scott Morris is someone you can trust to get you past the finish line and into the home of your dreams, the investment property of your dreams, the vacation home of your dreams. We would be remiss not to highlight Judah Wickhauer, the man behind the camera and the microphones. Thank you, Judah Wickhauer. The I Love Seville show is up in approximately 49 minutes. Take care, everyone. Hold on, boys. All right. Thank, Thank you, gentlemen. Guys. Huh, man. <laughs>